Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. From leadership professor to adventure navigator, Lane Knighting shares his heartfelt stories of learning how to live a life of adventure on the hero's journey of cycling across the United States and now taking groups to cycle across Europe. You will hear the magic in his voice as he shares his own journey of how the open road is home. Stay tuned for his inspiring story. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you to get fired up about your life and business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website at shaysparks.com. And I invite you to connect with me on all the social media that's there on my website, like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, on even on YouTube. And today, our guest is the amazing Lane Knighting. Welcome to the show, Lane. Thanks, Shay. I'm so excited to be here with you, conversing, learning, exploring. Me too. And, you know, we just talked on a little bit ago and it was like, oh my gosh, it was like seeing an old friend again. Like, it's so good to, to catch up with you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you for bringing me here. You're welcome. And, you know, I got to give a shout out to my friend, Joe Bogdan, who had you on the Llama Lounge. And I heard your incredible story. And so I was like, oh, I got to have you on my show, too. You know, the crazy thing about stories, though, we each have them. And because they're ours, we don't think there's anything necessarily remarkable about them. Instead, we look out at other people's stories and go, wow. Look at them. See what they're doing. I, I agree. And that is just one of the many reasons I wanted you on the show. So I'm glad that we got connected out through LinkedIn and that you're here today. Me too. And I understand you have, uh, you always start with this magic question. I do. So let me get to who you are first and then we'll get to that. So Lane, for those of you who don't know, Lane Knighting helps people excel through adventure. He teaches leadership at ASU and runs his own leadership development company. As part of his course, Lane has led groups of bicycles through Europe, Iceland, New Zealand, and recently India. His lifetime aim is to cycle every country in the world. His website is wayofthehero.com. And so just like you said, there is this question that I start with, and I know that you're going to have so many nuggets to share. So the first question is, I always like to start with, is what does investing in people mean to you? Shay, I got to admit that when you first sent me that question, I did a lot of pondering. I did <laughs> journaling. I wow. thought, what does it really mean? Because there's, it's like an explosion. There's so many different ways that it can go. Yeah. And I hope you don't mind the answer, but it's to introduce people 
to the destroyer. Okay. I love any answer. And so I'm going to ask you to elaborate. The destroyer. What is the destroyer? You know, in the world of archetypes, there is one that in my mind stands out way ahead of all the rest. It sounds terribly ominous, but is incredibly benevolent. And that is the destroyer. So like, what, what is the destroyer? The, yeah. the destroyer is the force that comes and cuts off those things that no longer serve mm. so that we can move forward. Mm. And I think if, it, if you've ever known a monkey trap, so the monkey trap has a jar and there's the lid and the lid has these spikes that are focused inward. And down the bottom, there's a banana or a nut or something. And the monkey sees it and wants to stick its hand in and grab it. And then when it tries to pull it out, ooh, it's painful because all these spikes are jabbing into its flesh. Sure. It's caught unless it lets go and then it's free. And each one of us unwittingly are caught in our own monkey traps. So this thing that we've tenaciously clinged to, relationships, ideas, patterns of thinking, we have to let go of those in order to advance and we, we don't want to because we love this thing. We want the banana. And the destroyer says, I'm sorry, if you are unwilling to let go of it, I'm going to come through and slice it away. And yeah, it's going to hurt. Yeah, you're going to feel this initial pain, but you will be so grateful as you move forward because you will be free. Well, that is the most beautiful answer I've ever heard to that question. I love that. <laughs> love that. And such a, a word picture in my mind, picturing that. And what comes to mind when you answer that is fear controls us. And a lot of times our fear response to that, our response to that fear is trying to control. Yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. And that's, to me, exactly what I was picturing was that monkey trying to control. And when you let go and surrender, then he can free his hand as well as we can. Well, a lot of times we get so focused on our goals in one direction that we're like, oh, this is the path that we're on that we have to take. And when you let go of that control, then you see all the opportunities that are outside of that control that are waiting for you. Yes. Amen. Like, Pete, sister, yes. Yes. Do you mind if I share a story that Please. just ties tongue and groove with that? Am I, so I kind of a preface. I believe that the destroyer gives us pivotal moments, pivotal episodes where we pivot from one direction, you know, being yes. driven, controlling to a different direction. Yes. And I was living a dream. I, for 10 years, I wanted to bike across America and I finally got to do it. That's a, that's a story we may get to, but I was in Montana and Shay, I met this cyclist. He was, you know, just as lean and cut as could be, wizened with age, about 73 years old. And as we talked, he goes, you know, this is my third time coming across. Wow. First time I went 70 miles this day, pulled into a town, met a kid. And the kid said, wow, you went 70 miles. What did you see? And the guy said in a sobering moment of reflection, I had to realize that all day I'd been glued to the white line. We call it the white line syndrome, where you're glued to the white line, so hell-bent on getting where you want to go the fastest possible way that you miss the incredible journey all around you and the purpose 
for doing it in the first place. Wow. Yes. Amen. Amen to that. So true. Wow. Yeah. I call blinders, right? You have blinders on like horses will have blinders on. Yeah. We're focused so much on the destination rather than the journey that we don't appreciate what's happening around us. Yeah. So what I'm picking up is literally like we talked about is control. So I'm curious now that we've kind of opened up that can of worms, if you will, or bag of tricks, if you will. Where in your life did you realize you needed to surrender and let go of control? Man, it was that dream. You know, prior to that, Shay, I would not have believed that I was a controlling person. (laughs) Right. Right? Yeah. And it boils down to something so simple as I'm in the bike lane, headed to campus on my morning commute, Mm -hmm. and somebody is in my lane coming the other way. And I'm like, it's my lane. I'm going the right way. You're going the wrong way. Get the heck over there, bucko. And when I took that three-month journey from the western edge of Washington to the eastern tip of Maine. Wow. Slowly, like so slowly that it was like onion rings slowly peeling away, you begin to realize that you come back to the destroyer and realize it's okay if I just move out of the guy's way. It's not my lane. Right. It happens to be a lane. lane. Yes. And I happen to be going the way the arrow says you should go. But if somebody goes the opposite direction, that doesn't mean they're a jackass. It doesn't mean they're a jerk. It doesn't mean that I'm entitled to now, you know, run into the guy and say, yeah, serves you right. And so really bit by bit, pedal by pedal, mile by mile, in very slow and subtle ways, I realized that I'm sharing the road with other people. They may be on a bike, they may be in a truck, they may be in a semi. The point is, look through their eyes and give way where I need to give way and seek help where before you wouldn't allow yourself to seek help. Oh, that's so true. I just feel like, you know, that's kind of a dirty word in some people's language is help. You know, it's like, no way. They absolutely... (laughs) resist to even acknowledge that they need help, let alone ask for it out loud. So you're so, so so right. Why do you think that is Shay? Why, if I could ask? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So I think people assume that help means that says something about them, that they're weak or they're incompetent or they're, you know, maybe they're stupid. Or for me, I used to actually Mm. be afraid to clarify ask clarifying questions. Like for an example, like if a professor or a teacher would (laughs) explain something, I was too afraid to raise my hand and say, I don't understand. Could you please explain that? Because I didn't want to be seen as stupid, right? So if someone was maybe biking and some, maybe they broke down, maybe somebody doesn't want to raise their hand and say, I need help because they might think, well, you're incompetent. You shouldn't have been, you shouldn't, quote unquote, shouldn't have been out there biking in the first place if you don't know how to fix it, right? Right. How fear shows up in all of these people and all of our psyche. That's how it shows up. It shows up as you're worried about how someone else is going to perceive you. So I think it boils down to, or what I'm picking up from that, Shay, is that we have stories lodged in our minds about our identity and how it connects with actions. And so if we perform the action of requesting help, the story says you are incompetent. You are yes. weak. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then what happens is that story goes on a a place of its own, a journey of its own, which is where the control comes in. Well, I'm going to prove to you that I'm not stupid or weak or incompetent. So I'm going to control as much of the outcome, as much as what I'm doing right now. And that doesn't work. And then they kind of go into, some people go into what's called a core negative feeling, which is, you know, the worst of the worst feeling, like unlovable, I'm Mm. worthless, Mm. I'm damaged. And they do self-destructive. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is so true. We pick up negative interpretations or what what is it? It's the behavior chain. There's a trigger, Mm -hmm. there's a thought, there's an action, and there's a consequence. So we allow something to trigger us. Those thoughts end up spiraling down. They could spiral up, right? but most of the time they don't because we let them go on their own journey and they spiral down, which leads to actions, which are not always healthy and consequences, which are often negative. Absolutely. And and you missed one Mm. that's in there. I'll just add one that's in there. I'll put it that way. Is that our thoughts or mindset, if you will, Mm. actually creates emotions, creates feelings, whether we notice it or not. And that is what drives the action. So the feeling could be a positive one or it could be a negative one, but it drives the action. And then that gives Mm. your results, whether it's a, a consequence or a result. You get some sort of result. So absolutely, you are spot on. I like that. There's piggyback on that. I got to tell you that at the end of that coast-to-coast journey, so imagine the freedom of being on a bicycle for three months. You're exposed to the kiss of the sun, the massage of the rain, the caress of the wind, and you're meeting people. You're vulnerable. I think that's the thing. We walk around in a bubble, And it's almost like we have this invisible armor and shield. And when we get out in nature, nature doesn't care who you are. It doesn't have any stories about whether you're the CEO or the grunt. It doesn't care. Right. And so you end up, after being exposed to it constantly, you realize it's not my enemy. It's not out here to try to to crash me. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so we quit assigning these labels to things and just accept them. And then that armor, the bubble that we walk around with slowly melts away. And and what I was going to tell you is that at the end, after three months of being on a bike, I was back in a bus going from Maine to Boston. And I I got so irritated because without asking us if we wanted it, these screens popped down and started showing a, mu- a movie. Like it wasn't where, okay, if you want to watch the movie, you hook up headphones and then you can hear it. Instead, the noise just blared. Oh, wow. No sleep. And, I'm, and yeah, there's no sleep. But even more, Shay, I looked around at all the people on this bus and I thought, all these people have lives and stories and we're all trapped shut with our mouths locked because of this blaring, glaring screen. And so I thought, I want to break that. Turned to a woman, said, hey, I just want you to know, I just lived a dream. And she goes, really? You know, what was it? I told her and she goes, wow, you know, I am living my dream too. I am hiking the Appalachian Trail. Wow. And it sparked somebody else to go, you're doing that too? I am as well. Pretty soon we had this hub of people ensconced in conversation and the miles just raced past. And before we knew it, 
we were pulling into the station, having connected. And it was beautiful. I love that story. And I'm not surprised that you met people along your way because you are such an attractor of people who are doing amazing things because you're doing amazing things. And I think that's, uh, again, something that we don't really talk about is when you're out there following your passion, your dreams, you meet uh, other people along the way who are doing the same. I think to encourage you along, to pat you on the back, to go, way to go. Great job. I'm doing it too. Yeah. Leo Tolstoy, you know, the great author said, all great literature is one of two stories. Someone goes on a journey or a stranger comes to town. Yes. Both of those involve some sort of a journey and both of those involve a pivotal moment or episode where you were thinking or moving one direction and went a different way. Absolutely. It's the hero's journey, right? Like Joseph Campbell talks about. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you've mentioned this uh, cross-country trip. So please enlighten us with more detail about it. And I really want to know, like, when did the dream come about and how long did it take you to actually pull the trigger, so to speak, and start doing it? Okay. Wow, Shay. So forgive me if I get emotional. For about 10 years, I'd nursed a dream of cycling across America. I figured if somebody did that, they'd be unstoppable. Yeah. But to really get there, I'm going to take you back 17 years prior to that event. I was sitting down with my hero, Mm. my dad, at his country home in Idaho, just sitting across the table, shooting the breeze, when he watched my wife glide past holding our firstborn, cradling her. And he goes, Lane, wow, I remember what it was like being in your shoes, struggling to get through college. Newly married, new little baby. Oh, and I had so many dreams. And Shay, he mellowed, and it was like he'd reached back through the sands of time and savored those old memories until a shadow fell across his face. And he said, you know, Lane, and then I graduated. Mm. Got knuckled down in a job, nose to the grindstone, just working day to day. And before I realized it, I woke up one day and I was, (laughs) I looked in the mirror said, Nighting, what do you got to show for it? And he said, I looked around. As I looked around, I, I saw the kind of house I lived in, kind of job I worked, kind of, kind of car I drove, and the kind of life I had. And I thought about all those dreams. And I realized, Lane, it was time. Now, Shay, I was there ready for this jolt of inspiration, like he's going to give me this golden nugget yeah. and say, you got to do it. Don't wait. And instead, I felt like he stabbed me in the back. Yeah. He said, as I thought about those dreams, Lane, I realized it was time to let him go. Oh, 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 oh that hurts. That hurts. That hurts. Yeah, that hurts. It totally hurts. Yeah. Like, what would you do if your hero or heroine told you, ah, shucks, Shay, if you don't do it by 40, forget it? I have been told that, actually. I have been told that. So that's why it hurts so bad, because I've been told that. And it's almost like, it was like a punch in the gut. Like, what? Like, everything I've been working for, my aspirational life has been, you know, waking me up every day, motivating me to get there. And you want me to let it go? I don't even understand those words together in a sentence. (laughs) Yeah. 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 How'd it feel for you? Yeah. You described it, punch in the gut. And I was so incensed that I bolted out of my chair, loomed over dad, which 
you don't do rural <laughs> Idaho. Yeah, you don't scold your dad. Right. And I chewed him out. I fired my finger like a pistol and I said, dad, that's heinous. You never give up on your dreams ever. And he looked at me with this shock. Then he got a wry grin on his face and said, you just wait till you turn 40 and you'll see. So what I didn't realize, Shay, is that day dad gave me perhaps the greatest gift he's ever given other than contributing to life. The greatest gift he's given me because he introduced me to the destroyer. So now 17 years ahead, for about 10 years, I'd nursed this dream of biking across America, which it was impossible. I mean, you're married. I had seven kids at the time. Wow. You know, all kinds of responsibility pounding on top of your shoulders, threatening to sabotage you. Sure. And you've got student loans and mortgage and debt, living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, how do you take three months and just say, well, I'm going to do it? Um, yeah, <laughs> that, there you go. There you go. <laughs> but wow, you're right. Because it's all the ands, right? It's what's not just one thing. It's all the ands, right? So it's the mortgage and the seven kids and the, yeah. and the student loads. And because we will find the ands. Yeah, we will. That's yeah. a great. So all those ands kind of mounted up into this mountain. And as I approached 40, I could hear dad's haunting <laughs> voice in my ear. And I thought, you know, I could put it into someday or retirement. Yeah which means never. And so I went to a friend, humbled myself because I was the fiercely independent soul, said, how do I do it? And he gave me the exact advice I needed because he could see a perspective that I didn't espouse. His life experiences showed him a different window of opportunity. And I said, that's it. That's it. And against the stories in my mind that said it was impossible we ended up as a family getting an old motor home, fixing it up a little and crawling our way from one side of the country to the other. Yeah. Reality, as big and beautiful as I'd imagined it to be, Shay, reality blew it out of the water. Tougher, more exhilarating than I could have possibly fathomed. You bring tears to my eyes because I can just imagine how eager how excited, how enthusiastic you were, not only to be doing this, but to be taking your family along for the adventure and really being able to, you know, show them the lessons along the way. Yeah, yeah it was magical. And yeah. I mean, there's more to that, but I'm really curious because there's some depth behind that story you were beginning to tell. Would you mind if I asked the question back and said, sure. how did you hurdle that? Yeah. So my dream was, is, still is, it's, I'm still in the process, we'll put it that way, to retire from one career by the age of 50. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This is crazy. I've never shared this on the show before. So I'm going to share it for the first time. Thank you, Lane. Yes. So, yeah. So I have been a hairstylist for 27 years. And when I was year 10, I knew that my shoulder started to hurt for the first time. And I knew that longevity is not something that my career choice really holds on to because of the body breaking down just yeah. physically. Right. And I thought, okay, so that's when I really started to think, okay, what's next for me? Even 
though it was, you know, 17 years ago, how funny, kind of about yours too, right? Mm. Even though it was 17 years ago, it was something that was always kind of in the back of my head. At the time, I was with, I had a boyfriend at the time who was abusive, controlling. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And it was very toxic, emotionally, mentally, physically. And not only did I have him, but at, at that same point, he was all of that. And here comes the end. He was my best friend. Right. Because that's what they are, right? They know how to turn it on and then turn it off. And fortunately, that's why there's so many people, I'll say people who get into abusive relationships because yeah. there's that great side to them as well. Yeah. What I found, he was actually in a car accident and I was able to be free and I started to heal. I started to go to counseling immediately and started to heal and started to peel away the layers, like you said, the onion that we are. And what I learned was I asked myself this one question that I still ask on a regular basis is what is it that I don't know that I need to know in order to move forward? Because we so much on what we know, there's so much that we don't know that we're sometimes unwilling to look at. So I started to go to counseling and realize that as a child, I had a vision of being a speaker, speaking on stage in front of a group of people. And I remember talking with my mom, watching Oprah during you know my teenage years of seeing Tony Robbins on TV going, I want to do that. I don't want to be him, but I think I can do that. Um, seeing people like Rhonda Britton, who later on became my mentor, but she was coaching people on Oprah. And I was like, I think I want to do that. But I'm not sure if I could do that, but I think I want to do that. And so there was this like idea churning is what I call it in the back of my mind of one day that will be me. And so here I am now mid thirties and I'm at this point in my life where it's like, okay, now I get to define who I am and who I want to be because I had been told for so many years by him, what I was allowed to do, what I was allowed to think and so on and so forth. You know, if I had ever expressed that I wanted to go back to college or, you know, go to take a class online or something, it was like, why would you want to do that? And I didn't just get that from him. I got that from my family because what I learned is that when you're in a relationship like that, it's because it's familiar. So all of the negative traits of my family, my parents, my brothers, my grandmother, he had to the nth degree, but it was so familiar. I thought, huh, so maybe there's, this is how people are. And so I have to be molded to fit in, even though I never felt like I fit in. I was always a troublemaker and always out differently than in other people. You rebel. <laughs> I was I was so a total troublemaker. Yeah. 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 And so, but this churning in the back of my head and now I'm in my mid thirties is now churning in my heart. Like, how could I really do that? What does that look like? What does that entail? What classes do I need to take? How much healing do I have to do to be able to have confidence to be on stage in front of people? What is that? How, where, what, you know, who could I be? Who do I have to be? And I was really able to, well, in the last, gosh, that's been 12 years ago. So in the last 12 years, I really set it up to heal in the first part and then to really create. And I think for people listening, because that's just kind of what I, who I coach is people in transition is that they forget to create, right? And so what you did was able to create this experience adventure with your family and then be able to create it again and again and again for the people that you 
you work with that you coach that, you know, we'll get to that in a minute, but the people that you take to Europe and have these amazing biking trips with, for me, I was like, what do I want to create this to look like? And I knew that the best quote unquote clients are people who have been through what you've been through. And so at the time I started coaching, right? So at the time I started coaching, I knew that it was for me to really help women get their voice back who had been in abusive relationships. And I even wrote a book called How to Get Your Voice Back. And what I found is that it wasn't just for women. It was for anyone going through some sort of transition who had been controlled, quote unquote, or institutionalized or their thought process was, you know, in that bubble, like you talked about. So all of a sudden I meet someone at a podcast conference who suggested that I consider working with veterans. And I was like, what? And he's like, well, what do you do in your, your, your coaching? And I said, well, I transform trauma into treasure. And he was like, yeah, that would be perfect for veterans. Like, have you really considered that? And I said, well, it's funny you should say that because I had started to notice this pattern that continued to show up with meeting, just like we talked about you, you were attracting mm-hmm. other people on their dream. I was meeting veterans on a regular basis out of nowhere, whether they were a new client or I would go to a networking event or a new friend, whatever. It was just incredible. And so I thought when he said that to me, I was like, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. So I start praying about it. I'm like, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me? And within a matter of, I'm going to even say months, not even months, I would say probably weeks, a matter of weeks, I find myself on Capitol Hill talking to a congresswoman's defense fellow about what the government is doing for the transition program between military and civilian life. I can't even make that up. Like literally can't make that up. That is incredible. (laughs) And to really see how this unfolded was not a plan. And I had to let go of control. I had to let go of control of what I thought it looked like and let it be unfolded on how it could look like, how it might look. And just like you said about your trip, it is probably the most incredible, fulfilling things I've ever, the people I've gotten to meet, the opportunities I've gotten to have. I mean, I'm just blown away when I let go of control. So that's the answer to that question. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's so many things to love about that. First of all, thank you for being open and vulnerable because that's you. But to hear that story, and that's, I'm sure it's just scratching the surface. There's so much more to hear to, yeah, fantastic. But what I see in this is that in the hero's journey, there is always a call to adventure. And immediately, they're the threshold guardians that say, no, who are you to think you can do this? You do this. You, you get back there. And they put their spears across the gate and say, you know, like Gandalf, you shall not pass. But the interesting thing is, if you defy those threshold guardians and cross the threshold, there's always always mysterious guides or mysterious aid. And I think of it like the the trail through the forest has glittering gems. Mm, So true. Red rubies and green emeralds and sparkling diamonds, but they're hidden and they point the way if we have eyes to see. And and it means we got to let go of the blinders and start looking around and go, oh, and pick them up, walk at them, And they reverberate with little nudges to go left or right. And if we do and and release control, then the most marvelous journey that we could have ever hoped for unfolds to our eyes. So true. 
So true. I love how you paint a picture. So true. So, which brings me to my next question. So now here you are, you've packed up all your children, you've Mm -hmm. taken an, you've biked, you've taken an RV. What were one, what were some lessons you learned along the way? And how did you figure out what your next step was after that? Okay. So the lessons came through, through slowing down. We quicken when we slow down. One, there are so many lessons. One of them from that particular track was that two thirds of the way people quit. Oh yeah. And I saw this in my research prior to the trek. They begin with all kinds of fanfare and enthusiasm and they get going on the road and everything is magical. Halfway through, they start to focus on the negative and two thirds of the way through, the people got like one woman, she just said, you know what? I'm fed up. I'm done. I'm going home. That was her last entry. Wow. Like, what was the aftermath? What was the end of the story? What lessons did you learn? No, she just... Wow. And I saw that happen to me. Hmm. Two-thirds of the way through, we're in Michigan, and I was writing in my journal. Journaling is crucial. Yes. Agreed. 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 You know, we got a process. So as I was processing it, I looked at the negativity and thought... This isn't what I wanted. Mm. I believe that there are spiritual voices that are kind of connecting us with the divine. Absolutely. And it said, look at the map, Lane. Where are you? Oh, yeah. I'm about two-thirds of the way through. (laughs) I remember how incensed I was seeing all those people that bailed. Okay, all right. I get the message. Okay, I'm going to start seeing the magic. And it changed. Yeah. The second lesson that I'll share is that Joseph Campbell got it right partially. There's a part at the end, which I think is crucial that he missed. And he says that after coming through the journey and getting the treasure, you just change and everything around you changes. (laughs) Right. It doesn't. Miraculous. Like the clap of thunder overnight and everything is different. Right. Yeah. Ooh, great word picture. Plus one. (laughs) But what happens is we are now empowered with choice. We can either choose to let it continue to change or like a powerful tractor beam in Star Wars where, you know, it, there are people that we love, our family, like you mentioned, yeah. our loved ones, people that we care dearly about are going to try to pull us back into old stories yes. about who we are and who we were before that adventure. Yeah. So it becomes this ongoing choice. The worlds collide, our new self with the old self, new stories with old stories. And as they collide, they both are trying to pull us and we either make the choice to revert back to our old skin or to shed it and to continue forward. And that's tough. Yes, it it is. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because as a society, we are taught to kind of keep things small. And what you just said is something that I take my coaching clients through is really acknowledging your resilience. And anything, any obstacle that you have overcome, you have to acknowledge. So even if, or even when, not an if, it's because it's a when, it's when will happen. Mm -hmm. Even when the people around you are saying, don't do it, and you still did it, that's resiliency. That built a muscle, right? So every single thing that you've done is adding to that resiliency muscle. And you are so, so spot on is that 
Joseph Campbell misses that is that it's now the next step to be able to carry all of that resiliency in that backpack Mm -hmm. because of all those stones that you picked up along the way. Now that's your magic. That's your empowerment to help you now go into the next phase, which brings me to part two. So please tell us what was your next step after you've done your trek? What did you think? Huh? What's next for me? I've done that. Check mark. Now what? Here's the thing. The heavens kept telling me you need to write. And I refused because I believed that I could take people out on adventures. I didn't believe in my power to unleash my tongue and really speak the words in my heart in a powerful enough way. So it's like the heavens said, okay, Lane, all right. Well, as I kept pleading and praying, I was led through a process where I I was to write all of my dreams on little half of a three by five note card. So I had a stack of cards and then I'd pick them up two at a time, discard the lesser and keep the greater, which is a super powerful exercise because you start to interrogate your motives right? and say, why do I want this mansion? Mm -hmm. I don't, it's just more to clean. I don't want to do that. (laughs) And so I did that. I and and at the end of that, you have the pile of discards, the stack of keepers, and then you repeat the process. And I got down all the way to the end, and three were intertwined, one kind of outshone the rest. And it was cycle every country in the world and make your livelihood doing it. And immediately when I looked at that, it was like a voice over my shoulder and a, a finger pointed. And the voice said, there it is, Lane. Yes. And so I, I don't have it all figured out. Like you, I am figuring it out. But it's led to, like, honestly, some pretty incredible stories. And being able to participate in and witness pivoting yes. in people where they're brought to tears when they think about those moments where they shifted. That's so beautiful. I, I This is why we're friends, Lane. Your story just now brought me to tears. It's just so rewarding when I hear other people who have invested in themselves, because that's literally what you've done. And now it's just naturally overflowing into a business. And so tell us what your business is. What is it that you magically do? Because I can't wait to hear, have people sure. hear about it. Thank you. Thank you, Shay. Thanks for asking. What we do is we provide disruptive adventures that help people reshape their lives. By bicycling across countries. Yeah, we go typically for 11 days at a time. Like we're going uh, this year, this summer, we're doing one from Prague to Budapest, usually about 500 miles, 11 days. And then that after that one, we're doing one in Romania. That one's shorter, seven days. And then after that, a buddy of mine said, Lane, when's the last time you did one for you? Why don't you rediscover some things? He was a guide and Mm -hmm. his words resonated. So afterwards, I'm going through the old Soviet bloc and going through Moldova, Ukraine, Belarus, and over to Poland. Amazing. I hope you're taking pictures along the way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because it just sounds amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, we actually have some on my website. You can see India, Spain, there are some others in there, Slovenia. It is magical. You learn to see reality in fantasy 
and fantasy in reality. I love that. And it's life-changing. Absolutely. Uh, the last time we talked, I think you were talking about doing one, I think it's the silk trade route. Yeah. And have you done that or where are you going to do that? We got a couple of really exciting ones. That's one that's going to be earmarked for 2026 and 2027. Goes all the way through Central Asia from Beijing, China to Istanbul, Turkey. Wow. And then my friend has us doing uh, in 2024, the 10th anniversary of our trek that we did that changed his life. We're going to go from Malta below Italy all the way through Europe to the top of Norway. Oh, wow. You know, just a couple miles or so, just a few miles. So I'm curious because I know that first trip across the country, you had your family in tow. So now I am assuming it's been a few years ago. So is your family involved? How involved are they? Are they going along the adventures with you as well? That's a good question. One of my sons went to Iceland with us had a miraculous experience there and has since said, nah, I'm done with biking. Another one has come twice with me, once through England, once through Slovenia, Croatia, and Italy, and loves it, like wants to do more. My wife, she pushed her comfort zones incredibly to do the coast to coast and has since said, Lane, I'm just, I don't have wanderlust. I love to be at home. So she supports and encourages me to go. And and once the kids all leave the home, then she'll just pop in here and there to places as she doesn't want to be in a tent, doesn't want to be on a bike, but very supportive. I love that. I love that. And so what do you want to leave behind to be remembered for? What would be your legacy, whether it's to your children or to the world? Good question. For me, I measure my life by the adventures that I create for myself and others. And you? Thank you for asking. For me, I just want to make a a difference in other people's lives through a positive impact. Yeah. My ultimate dream is to travel the world and heal people one hug at a time. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So this was pre-COVID. So hopefully we'll get back to hugging soon. But yeah, that would be amazing. So yeah, I could speak and coach and from the stage and then get to the real nitty gritty and connect afterwards and get to hug the audience. Yeah. Yeah. They need you. We need you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for your time today. We're just about to finish up. So if someone's like, wow, what an incredible story. I have a passion for biking as well. Or they just want to know more about you. Where do they connect? What was your website? And are you on social media? That type of thing. Sure. Absolutely. LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook are my main social media channels. A Way of the Hero is my website. You can learn more there, see some of the other adventures and hear other people's stories there. And if people are adventurous and willing to give it a go, I will say most of the people who join me are not cyclists. Got it. Okay. Some of them don't even have a bike until they enroll in the course and say, I'm willing to do it. Next year, we've got two thrilling ones. One is called Ascent to the Gods. We goes through uh, Macedonia, Albania, and ends up in Greece at the monasteries that are perched atop these rock pillars. Wow. Oh, it's incredible. The second one is the Root of the Sultans. And we start in Bulgaria, we go through Bulgaria, part of Greece, and end up over in Istanbul, Turkey. 
you know, that's like that, that crossroads between East mm-hmm. and West. There's a place on my site where they can say, hey, I'm interested. Send me more info. Love to connect and help people live new dreams. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, Lane, it has just been an awesome, amazing, incredible adventure with you today on this, this last hour. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Shay. And thanks for sharing your story. Oh, thank you for asking. I, I share some things, but I, that was the one I haven't shared yet. So thank you. And mm-hmm. I always like to leave with this question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? That's a great question. The open road is home. That we, as soon as we quit trying to get to a destination or get back to a destination and just live fully where we are, we find that we are exactly where we need to be. So the open road is home. So, 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 so true, which, you know, brings us back to surrender and let go of control. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Lane, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you. That's been great. Thank you, Shay. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, because I know you did, and you maybe even took some notes, please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. That would really help us out. And of course, check out my website for more information, shaysparks.com. Hey, don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.